This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, the tennis has been all right today, but it's more the tennis that is to come that I feel like we are going to end up talking about here on the Tennis Podcast tonight. Because um, during Prime Video's coverage, Catherine reeled off some of the matches that we have to look forward to over the next few days in the third round. And it was uh, it was quite something, particularly on, on in the WTA side, on the women's side. I mean, actually, mostly on the bloke side, it's... It's not that interesting, but the women's uh, matchups in the next round are amazing. Um, what what about today then? Because um, Catherine and Matt have reconvened with me, and we're sort of halfway through the first match of the night session. And I have to say, it looks like Coco Goff is uh, is not going to last much longer because Sloane Stevens is putting on a show. Um, what what was your standout moment of today, Catherine? Does anything really? Shoot out for you. Mm. Well, it was it was Pride Day at the US Open, and I think that's new for this year. A new initiative. I mean, obviously Pride isn't new, but I think the US Open doing Pride Day is new. Um, and I I arrived home to to Matt attending a Francis Tiafo press conference with Billie Jean, very much in tow. <laughs> Um, and uh, yeah, that had been very much part of Matt's project today. And I think, yeah, in the absence of any big tennis related story, that might be, I don't know, that might be my take home from today. And Matt's probably better place to to tell his tale of the day than I am. Well, yeah, I've, I've been speaking to players about that. Um more details in the newsletter. We like a teaser. Oh no! Have I accidentally teased no, content that we're not allowed to share on the pod? Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> we're allowed to tease it. We're just not accidental allowed to say what they said. Genuine accidental spoiler. Okay. 
tease yeah. tease them, Matt. Tease away. Well, I I just think it's important to ask ATP players in particular, I think, about this because you know everyone knows the line that there's been no openly gay male player on the ATP tour ever, whereas the WTA there've there've been lots. Why that discrepancy? Is there something about the culture at the ATP? I just think it's important every now and again to get the views of, of the players. Um, quite a lot of the answers, I think they're all coming from a really good place. They're just not looking beyond themselves in in their answers. So far, I mean, I should say I've still got a couple of players I do intend to speak to later. But anyway, that's I, I agree with Catherine. I think it's been a big, big thing today, Pride Day. The Australian Open has had one for quite a while uh, and and the US Open has one and yeah I think it's a great initiative from the US Open hmm. so uh, get across our newsletter uh, the link is in the show notes and uh, we'll be sending that out uh, in the morning UK time uh, so a few hours after you listen to this most likely and uh, yeah you'll get our newsletter every day which also features Matt's stat and our daily predictions uh- um I, I tell you what, David. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but but I but I think as as much as all that was, uh, I, I, Pride Pride Day will remain a take home from today. The more glimpses I catch of Sloane Stevens, just in your words, David, schooling Coco Goff here before our eyes, that might be a take home as well from uh, from this because this is this is quite some performance. It's six four. Four-two advantage Stevens on the golf serve at the moment, and the the difference in uh, this is not to disparage Coco Golf. She's at a completely different stage of her development to Sloane Stevens, but the difference in class is gaping. This is just brilliant stuff from Sloane Stevens, and mm. you love to see it. Mm. Yeah, the the first set, her her forehand, there's a sort of slingshot quality to mm. it, and uh, when. When she pulls it back and lets it go, and she's on, I don't know. There's not there's not too many players in the world who can have an answer to that, and and it's quite interesting. I think it was Mardi Fish who who tweeted something in defence of her today, uh, I, I, and I do feel like Stevens is a player that doesn't necessarily get a lot of respect within the tennis world, and I don't really. I think the reason for that is because. Everybody knows how good she is and they want more. They expect more. They demand more. And I don't know whether that's fair, really. Uh, it's, it's, it's great to have loads and loads of talent, but demanding of somebody what they must do with that talent makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable, really. I also think there's sort of insufficient nuance in, in telling her story, and I'm sure I'm, I'm guilty of that on prime video sometimes you know it, it's the, the lazy narrative with Sloane Stevens is what could have been exactly as you say David and and maybe maybe that is fair and true for some periods of her career Ab- absolutely from from what I hear you know that her application and commitment to the sport has waxed and waned which I find you know completely fair enough you know she's only accountable to herself but that's not necessarily the story of her year this year in fact it definitely isn't the whole story of her year this year you know she she suffered a tremendously difficult start to to the year and to the season she lost two relatives 
in quick succession to to COVID-19, to very close relatives and immediately went into solitary, hard quarantine in uh, in Melbourne. And I don't care who you are or how many millions you've got or what your level of commitment is to a sport, that is that is a, a trauma, really, to go through. And um, And she's announced just today as a sort of as a reminder of all of that, that she's 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 launched a, a fund specifically in honour of those relatives that she she lost this year. Yeah, her grandparents, Doc and Glow, and she says the Doc and Glow scholarship will provide twenty promising students with a thousand dollars each to chase their dreams, um, because her grandparents inspired her to get her degree while she was on the tour, um, and you know education was very important for them and she wants to do her bit to help some more students so yeah I think it, it's a really great great thing that she's done there and yeah I, I agree I mean I think Sloane Stevens can do this to kind of anyone she she can school them in your words David which I think's right she can make she can expose them because when she's at her best she's so complete and so good and actually it looks like the matchup really favours her you mentioned that forehand I think if if there's a weakness in the golf game I think the forehand is is probably it at, at this stage in her career and Sloane Stevens has been comfortably winning those rallies and dominating those rallies and it's just an awesome sight to see her playing like this yeah well unless something dramatic changes here her performance right now is going to be the performance of the day. And there have been a few. I mean, there have been some really good performances today. Um, I thought Garbina Magarutha was very good against Andrea Petkovic, um, a player she'd lost to three times. She beat her handily today. And she's another one, isn't she? She's another one that you think when she's in that kind of form, blimey, how's anybody going to stop her? And that's it's a lovely thing about the women's tournament right now is they're all still there and now they're going to start clashing. Yeah, Mugarith is clashing with Azarenka in the next round, which is, I mean, that's a Grand Slam final, isn't it? Yeah. Easy. Yeah. Um, they played played four times, two wins apiece. I mean, it couldn't couldn't be more perfect. I wouldn't want to be a scheduler in, in two days' time trying to place all those uh, women's matches from the bottom half of the draw because... I mean, they're all worthy of Grand Slam quarterfinals at least, barring maybe one or two. But it's it's blockbuster. It's blockbuster absolutely everywhere. I mean, Muguruza, she had a tough draw. Vekic first round, but I think I think she's been played into form quite honestly, and she's got she's got that look about her. I don't know. I don't know whether it means anything, but I hadn't quite realised with regards to that Vekic match that Vekic is now working with Sam Sumik. Mm-hmm. And a lot of speculation that you know she really celebrated when she won that match, Muguruza, a couple of days ago, and nobody really knows the circumstances of her split from Sumik or the exact details of their relationship together. You know, a lot of people sort of just make a face of sort of you know a sort of sit to pass, gritted teeth face of sort of you know she she looks happier now. Than when she was with Sam Sam Sumik, certainly towards the the latter stages of of their relationship. So, I don't know what went on, but she definitely looked really pleased to beat Donna Vekic with uh, with Sam Sumik in the box, didn't she? But you know, I just wonder if this tough draw will end up helping her. Having said that, 
I thought Victoria Azarenka was really good today <laughs> as well against a player in Jasmine Paolini that she said she thinks has top 10 potential. Um, so, yeah, who knows? I wasn't convinced by Muguruza coming into this tournament just because it's traditionally been the Grand Slam where she struggled. She, I think she'd only once before reached the third round, hadn't she? And then the, that combined with this difficult draw just meant that she seemed like a kind of prime candidate to be a early week casualty to me. I've obviously got that totally wrong. And in the end, I think the combination of the tough draw and it being her most difficult slam has actually taken some of the pressure off. I don't think she was necessarily expecting as much as of herself in New York as she normally does. She she talked about trying to be less stressed and she is playing some great tennis because, as you said, she had a she had an zero and three head to head against Petkovic today, who she beat in straight sets. And yeah, even her face at the end, it was immediately a picture of joy, and then suddenly it was like game face back on. She means business in this tournament, but yeah, Azarenka in the next round is just feels like a, yet another test for her. And the thing about Muguruza is she doesn't actually do a lot of winning titles. You know, she's obviously won two Grand Slam titles, but she's won relatively little in her career compared to a Halep or a Kvitova or something. So I think I remain unconvinced about her title credentials, but just the way she's looking is way better than I was expecting. Just one last interjection about Sloane Stephens, who has just won, by the way, in, in... pretty dismissive fashion actually in the end 6-2 in the second over Coco Goff because on our on our screen currently is is friend of the pod Pam Shriver interviewing Sloane Stevens on court and Pam has um has rainbow cuffs on her top I presume in honor of Pride Day I think they might be sweatbands oh they've been giving them out oh have oh okay I mean that's still great it is F- freebie or not <laughs> well done Pam <laughs> Yeah, indeed. Um, elsewhere today, I'll go through a few of the women's draw results here and and matches that have been set up as a result. Arena Sabalenka won through. She won through comfortably on the scoreboard, but she took one heavy fall at one point in the match, which was really alarming, wasn't it? It was one of those where her feet just gave way as she hit a ball, just slid from under her and she landed heavily on her side but um, she seemed to bounce up Catherine all right and uh, and and finish the match so fingers crossed yeah it, it didn't seem to affect her tennis at all she won very straightforwardly she had a break at that stage incidentally Zidanecek has done absolutely nothing since that run at the French Open has she where she looked she looked a real prospect um, yeah it didn't seem to affect her tennis just jogged towards the finish line really but she was icing the wrist and the hand at every change of ends and I I do wonder and this is uh, the the pundits on prime share this concern that that whether that's the sort of injury the effects of which would be masked by adrenaline and the full effects of which wouldn't be known until the next day because it it was a really nasty fall I mean it it made you jolt and gasp to watch. Yeah. Um, so, oh, I, I really cross my fingers because I want Sabalenka Collins to be all the things that we know it could be. 
Yes, Daniel Collins is is the opponent, um, and yeah, that that there's so many corkers. Let, let's just go through a few of these. Onstjebur, who had a very straightforward win today, is up against Elisa Mertens. There is Elena Svitolina taking on Daria Kasatkina. Apparently, that's a very one-sided head-to-head in favour of Svitolina, which I, I didn't know. Uh, Kasatkina came through against Von Drusseva today, um, and again, you know, look, that's a good match, isn't it? Simona Halep. I'm very pleased that Simona Halep seems to be able to carry herself okay so far. I mean, she's been strapped up a bit, hasn't she? And we're, I mean, the the feeling is that she's not 100% fit, but she's still there and she's playing pretty well and now takes on Elena Rabakina. She's playing very aggressively, isn't mm. she? I wonder, she? If, I wonder if it's focusing the mind, that very heavy thigh strapping that she has. You know, if, if I'm going to do this, I have to do this a certain way. Um, yeah, she and really, that's that. Yeah, she really stepped in the court and tried to take charge of the rallies. And, and actually, I think Halep has always struck me as a player who probably plays the best defence. So we sometimes think of her as a defensive player. But actually, she does quite like to attack and quite like to control the rallies when she can. And she's doing that so well today. I've just been reminded of how much I like watching Simona Halep play and... I think she was getting a little frustrated at times because she was perhaps making a few more errors than usual considering she was going for it so much, particularly in the first set. Um, Her forehand was leaking a little bit, but she was very good overall. And actually she, um, she said the one thing she was able to do while she was injured was work on her serve. And she's made some technical adjustments, I think maybe lowered the ball toss. And in the second set, her serve was faultless really and again that's kind of been an area of Halep's game that has always been a little bit vulnerable to serve Um, but if she's shored that up that could be a sort of long-term benefit of a real you know injury that she had that kept her out of three big tournaments this summer Um, so yeah I'm I'm impressed with Halep she's now got Rebekina who speaking of serving was just pummeling aces today against Caroline Garcia and in Hannah's words she's happening Rebecca and I think her against Halep they met previously in the Dubai final of 2020 just just before the Covid shutdown and that was 7-6 in the third to Halep it was a fantastic match it's sort of a classic contrast of styles which is kind of what we love to see so yeah I mean add that to the list of incredible matches I feel like we've been building for a long time for a third round like this in the in the women's game um we've obviously had a lot of great matches but it's not quite come together like this as a draw where all of them seem to be happening and you you sort of sometimes have to whisper it quietly about a potential match happening and now it's like shout it from the rooftops because they're all happening and it's it's going to be great (laughs) Yeah, I can't wait for Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday now, whatever we're, we've got all these matches to look forward to. Um, actually, on Halep as well, I do wonder about that, whether for this specific tournament that that change in tack and need to change might be a difference maker for her because she's been super fit. She's been an amazing mover. She's had all the attributes, but those things have just not worked at the US Open over the years, have mm. they? Yeah, and... <laughs> Obviously, being injured is not a good thing at a Grand Slam tournament. But 
being fit at the US Open has never worked out particularly well for her. Um, you know, she always she always comes into the US Open, always has previously, off the back of an incredibly intense summer. You know, her main focus has always been the clay court season. We know the year that she won Wimbledon. Wimbledon was the focus then, and there was, you know, an enormous sigh of relief afterwards. I don't, you know, she's, I don't, I'm not sure she's ever come into the US Open feeling like she's got a full tank of gas. And I know, you you know, you could make that case about every player at the US Open. That's part of the, the joy of it, kind of the brutality of watching people um, exhaust the last of their canister for the year, I suppose. But I think that's possibly a bit more true of Simona Halep than others. And she perhaps finds New York a bit more exhausting than, than other people do. But, you know, as much as having an injury is overall a bad thing. It couldn't, you know, things being different for her at the US Open could, you know, who knows? I don't, she she annoyingly doesn't feature anywhere in my predictions. Hmm. Uh, one player who, did, who is through who didn't get to play today is Naomi Osaka um, because her match ended up being a walkover. Her, her opponent, uh, Olga Danilovic, was forced to withdraw from their match. She had what was described as a non-COVID-related virus, a uh, viral infection. Um, so get well soon to her. Um, but, uh, yeah, Osaka gets a, a day off. She and, now faces... And, and I'm not sure that's good for Osaka, I must really? say. I, I feel like she needs matches. I mean, you know... Mm. maybe she gained a lot from just that first round where I think certainly her second set was stronger than her first set. But I don't know. It feels like she needs some rhythm. She needs some confidence. She needs some, yeah, just matches. And I think sometimes getting a walkover can actually, Mm. what's the opposite of a blessing in disguise? One of those. (laughs) (laughs) one of those yeah Uh, just quickly on on that statement from Olga Danilovic the reason she specified non-covid related illness is because in the brief period after she after it was announced that she had withdrawn ahead of ahead of that match for quote medical reasons that was the official reason given there was a lot of speculation about the specifics of those medical reasons because that was also the official the official wording of the statement for Gilles Simon's withdrawal, which we know was because he was a close contact for somebody that had tested positive for COVID-19. And those players that are unvaccinated and are close deemed close contacts are automatically removed from the draw, whereas vaccinated players, obviously anybody that tests positive removed from the draw, but unvaccinated close contacts are also removed from the draw and a lot of the build-up to that Olga Danilovic match involved to a lot of lot that I read. There was a, a really good New York Times piece um, about the mentoring that Novak Djokovic has done with Olga Danilovic. They're really close, apparently. So there was a period of about half an hour where everybody was speculating um, that Olga Danilovic might have been a close COVID contact and therefore... Novak Djokovic might have been a close COVID contact and it sort of dawned on everybody <laughs> that it it's not completely impossible that, that it could end up being that that thwarts his quest for the calendar slam. It is 
it is a considerable risk that he is taking. And I know, you know, he's he's aware of, I assume he's aware of the consequences of his, of his vaccination stance. But it just, you know, the potential scenarios um, just suddenly sort of presented themselves to people. Um, hmm. And it was interesting. Yeah, it was. Um, uh, but uh, subsequently, she she made that um, statement to say that uh, that it wasn't COVID related. So um, get well soon to her. Um, on the men's side, we had uh, victory for Daniel Medvedev uh, in very, very straightforward fashion. I mean, he is looking, Matt, like he looked until he ran into a camera the other week. Yes, precisely. He's barely giving up games, is he? He's, he's won his first two matches very, very easily. Today against Dominic Kupfer, I watched that match. Jim Courier was commentating on it, and he said he felt Dominic Kupfer played a really good match and wasn't close to being good enough. And that was how it felt, to be honest. Medvedev just had an answer for everything. It was clinical ruthless efficient it it was just everything that you want really in the first week of a slam and he's 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 looking so impressive it's so different to the 2019 run he had where there was you know every match was a drama whether it was his physical state whether it was his relationship with the crowd whether it was an actual tense match so far he's just cruising through this draw and uh, he's got a he's got a let's call it a good draw in the next round with Pablo Andujar I think you would take that in the third round no disrespect to him he's done very well to get this far um but he's not really particularly at home on hard courts and I would have thought Medvedev would overwhelm him it's it's probably the fourth round onwards where Medvedev's draw starts to get interesting because he would play the winner of Alexi Popperin and Dan Evans, who I'm pretty sure you both watched today. Um, and I think that would that would be legitimate test. Popperin has pushed Medvedev in the past, and Evans seems to be liking these conditions in New York, the slightly faster courts, and he just has a game that can disrupt in a way that. You know, Medvedev hasn't faced one of those opponents yet. Yeah, um, yeah, did did watch uh, Evans, and he went through today against um, Marcus Garone. It turns out you pronounce his name, uh, which I didn't think uh, was how it should be pronounced at all. I thought it was Giron, um, and uh, and then we played uh, played the sound of it on the uh, the the ATB website, and that was how he pronounced his own name. So anyway, that's what we ended up calling him on uh, on Five Live. And it was uh, 64762663 for Dan Evans, um, who was came out much sharper than he did a couple of days ago against um, Tiago Montero. And then at the end, Catherine, he was... He was quite choked up, wasn't he, Dan Evans, in his in his interview, and uh, and it was I found that quite revealing, really, as to his state of mind, and and I suppose just the experience of being out on the road all the time, and he's he's he had COVID nineteen, he's had a pretty terrible run of form and losses, and he hasn't been feeling his best, and turns out he's been on his own as well, or at least not with his girlfriend at, at this tournament, and and it seems to have all 
yeah, he's he let he let everybody in a little bit there for a moment. Yeah, his uh, his bottom lip was going, wasn't it? And um, Anne Kjelthavog and I in the the Prime Video studio, we weren't we weren't quite prepared for the nature of that that interview that he gave on the court after that match, um, and it really it really got us choked up actually. The just the mention of his girlfriend uh, Alea, I think yeah. her name is. Um, yeah, he he had to take a moment, didn't he? And um, he had a lump in his throat, and it was really, really moving, actually. Um, and you know, we we've talked a lot here. I've talked a lot a lot about it on on Prime Video about the challenging summer that he's had, particularly in the context of this having been the best season of his career. The fact that actually this summer period has been so disappointing, um, and I th- I think. Well, Greg Rosetsky certainly thinks it's all down to having suffered from COVID-19. It's just, you know, he's got to where he's got to by, you know, rinsing those fine margins, becoming this just well-oiled, well-honed tour machine, you know, week in, week out, just producing and incrementally getting better and better. And, you know, losing a few of those increments is a massive deal for Dan Evans. He doesn't have a big easy weapon that he can rely upon um and you know he talked about in his round one match that he've they've of course won through in the end experiencing bad headaches in that and it must be really disconcerting to you know i i don't know whether that's covid19 related i i don't know but i i do know that he's He's having a rocky road back to full physical fitness without there being anything specifically wrong with him. And that must be so disconcerting for somebody, for, for an athlete that is used to feeling in control of their fitness and their and their body. And his, yeah, his reaction after, after that win, I think, was a real glimpse into how emotionally tough this summer, this summer has been. Um, yeah. yeah, it was... It's very moving. Uh, and he now faces Alexei Popperin, who beat another man who'd obviously suffered from COVID-19 in the past. And we, we'll never really know, I don't think, how big a factor that has played in Grigor Dimitrov's decline physically. He's had a lot of retirements. He's had a lot of injuries. He's had a lot of ill health, really. Um, hasn't been the same player over the last year or so. Uh, in terms of consistency, and and it was seven six seven six, and then four love retired. I think there's a foot problem for for Dimitrov, but good win for Popperin, and uh, he's really made use of the uh, the conditions there. Evans was saying that uh, they'd played once at Queens not that long ago. Evans had won that comfortably, but it's a very different situation because of the movement on the hard courts, and and he, he expects Popperin to be a much tougher opponent this time. Not the movement. Move. No, yeah. not not the <laughs> capital not T, the, capital the M. No, not that. To, yeah. Pablo Andujar and Philip Kohlschreiber ensured the the movement will will not feature. No, on, on tonight's you, pod. And actually, that moves me on, Catherine. To something I wanted to mention. Really, looking at the the bottom half of the draw in the men's is what's been more or less complete. There's there's two or three spaces still to 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 be completed, but. And a, and a couple of them are, are, are big names, as Stefano Sitsipas is about to play, for instance, and there's Kevin Anderson against Diego Schwartzman. They, they've they've done things. There's a lot of players in this bottom half of the draw who who are pretty difficult to 
to tell our listeners much about for me. Um, I've seen names, but I tell you, I mean, the, compare that bottom half of the draw to the women's draw, and it is stark the difference in terms of name recognizability. Yeah, I'm going to name some names, and I want you both to declare honestly to me if you could if you could pick them out in a police lineup. To my knowledge, they've committed no crimes. This is entirely <laughs> hypothetical. Alex Mulchan. No. No idea who it is. Henry, uh, Henry Laxanen. from Slovakia. I know that. Oh, I'm, I'm, pick, I'm picking Hey, I'll tell you what. I, if, we, if we're doing fun facts about these people that we can't pick out of a lineup, Alex Mulchan is into the third round of the US Open. Those round one and round two match wins were his first ever tour level match wins on a hard court. Wow. Goodness. Henry Laxanen. Yeah, yeah, I know I know him. No, could not know, not know the I name. I don't know could what you, he looks could like. You... <laughs> no, I don't That's I, the I, game. I if you lined him up, no, I wouldn't Matt, know, I wouldn't know which one he was. I think I could pick Laxanen out, yeah. Okay. Bottich van der Zandschulp. We know that David commentated one of his matches at Wimbledon. <laughs> you should be saying yes to this, David. Oh dear, I did do a match of his, didn't <laughs> you I? Did. And I was, we I watched made a right it. Pig's ear of it. Um, yeah, I think I'd be all right with him. I think. Yeah, I think so, but only because I watched a little bit of him today <laughs> against Casper Ruud. Peter Goyovchik. Oh yeah, but I can't. Oh, oh I, I yeah, mean, I can't spell his name. David Peter Goyovchik. He's, he's in a, been around. He's in a lineup with a lot of other sort of athletic-looking men in their mid twenties. <laughs> tell you what, I'm clicking on these as we go. No, I mean the answer is no. They're all ranked way outside the world's top hundred. Yeah, yeah. We're not. Mean. I mean, we're not being disrespectful here. Well, I, no, I, I hope we're not being disrespectful. These are these are massively surprised names, even in the third yeah. round of a slam. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think. The biggest sort of shock result today was Botic van der Zandschulp beating Kasper Ruud. I mean, eighth seed at this tournament, Kasper Ruud. And yes, I know people will point to the fact he's mainly built his results on clay and he obviously won those three back-to-back-to-back tournaments after Wimbledon on clay. But he'd actually just reached the quarterfinals of... Canada and Cincinnati back to back. He was starting to have some results on a hard court. So I I do think that is a disappointing loss for him in the second round of the US Open in a section of the draw which was actually on paper at least fairly fairly kind one to be in. I think he's got to be pretty pretty disappointed by that. Uh by the way, Vander Zanschulp Faces Facundo Bagnus, mm. who is also not a player all, I know an awful lot about. All the big names yeah, are I, in that I section. I actually couldn't pick him out. <laughs> He's 80 in the world, uh, for your info. Uh, actually, uh, the, the Bagnus sort of beat up- Trungaliti of being in his grandma's car at the US Open uh, on the way to the French Open fame. Never yes. heard of again since <laughs> until today. No, indeed. Um, actually, the, the the couple of matches at the top of that lower section of the draw um do feature players that we know and and there was there was one lovely little bit of um hype given out by Francis Tiafo after he won his match very comfortably today against Guido Pella and uh, he's now facing Andre Rublev and he he let us in on that 
kind of I don't look at my draw type of comment and made made it look nonsense because he said, uh, yeah, I, uh, the moment I saw my draw, I knew I'd got Andre Rublev in the third round if I could get through the first couple and I want it. I want, I really want him. And I want, uh, and he made it very clear. He's absolutely pumped up to the hilt to face Andre Rublev, which, which he's never faced before. And I, I love that. He's coming for him, he says. I think he could cause him problems. I mean, he needs to have a good day and I think he needs to have a really good game plan I, I think you know it's there's no secrets with Rublev are there he he does his thing really really well but you can you can make his thing malfunction a bit if you've got a really solid solid game plan um yeah I, th- I think he can I think he can make that that fun um yeah I think he can certainly make it fun for the viewer I, I suspect even if Rublev wins he won't have a lot of fun in that match, no. one way or another, I think he's. Can, you, he's can in... you name a match where Andre Rublev has had fun? <laughs> oh. He doesn't look like he has fun that often to me. I mean, maybe that's harsh, <sighs> but have I ever seen Rublev look like he's having fun? And, and look, having fun is not the aim. You know, it, no. it, it's. I think it's perfectly okay that he doesn't necessarily have fun on court. Actually, I think he had quite a bit of fun at the Olympics, didn't he? I was just going to say, but then he sort of was just being put in his place by Anastasia Pavlyuchenko for the whole time, (laughs) and rightly so. Which was Um, very entertaining. (laughs) When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Um, Just a word on last night, because uh, when we came off air last night, we were watching that uh, Novak Djokovic against Holger Rune match, and then uh, Benka Andreescu started shortly after we we finished recording. Um, First of all, Djokovic, I mean, he ended up winning straightforwardly. He did lose that second set, but thereafter he he dominated, and and Rune's body just 
completely betrayed him. He, he started to suffer from cramp, and um, um, Djokovic forced him into that, didn't he? With the way he, he moves him around and all that sort of thing. It was, uh, but the but it was a bit uncomfortable. Some of it wasn't it because the the crowd were really going for Rune. They liked him. They a young eighteen year old going for his winners and all the rest of it, and it sounded like there was booing going on, which later on was explained that the crowd were shouting rune. But it didn't really sound like that at the time. It sounded like boo. Um, so anyway, that was the explanation given, was that they're actually chanting his name. Djokovic was pretty put out by it all. He 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 thought they were booing him. And, I mean, at the very least, it wasn't the... Wasn't the warmest atmosphere out there for him, to be quite honest, and um, and I think that that took him took him aback, and one or two other people aback that here he is going for this incredible achievement of the calendar Grand Slam, and he's not exactly getting the warmest reception in the world. And he left the court without doing his usual celebration to all four yeah. sides of of the stadium. I think in the moment it felt very hostile perhaps when they when they thought it was booing by the end I think Djokovic had realized that they were shouting rune and that just felt like a late night crowd coming up with something and Mm. sort of doing it for the rest of the match I I don't think it was anti-Djokovic I don't think they were particularly pro Djokovic crowd but I think as the tournament progresses I think John Wertheim said, look, it's going to be easy to tell in the next match because there's no way you can mistake Greek sport for, <laughs> for booing. Um, and, yeah. and, I, and I think what we'll and- see is just a sort of fairly neutral reaction. I think, I think there is some appreciation for what Djokovic is going for. I think that might grow as the tournament goes on. But yeah, I'm not sure there's necessarily huge, huge love for him. Uh, and look, we don't need to get into all the reasons for that now, but that's, that isn't brand new. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I thought there was a, it was about an 18-year-old who was who they'd never heard of, who was playing really well, um, who was pushing somebody they did know really well and uh, and was the world number one and all the rest of it. And they were just in the moment is what I felt. Um, a few honey juices down. Yeah. That, that was my feeling. Oh, those were the days. <laughs> <laughs> um, but and and I I don't know. I wonder how many people that go know the whole thing about him going for this achievement. I'm not. I don't know how big a deal that is to the 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 average ticket holder in a night session at the U.S. Open. Certainly at the t- start of the tournament. Um, yeah, I do. Yeah, I think it might grow. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm I'm always shocked by sort of overheard at insert tennis event, you know. But less for me, less so at the U.S. Open. Do, it, it, am I imagining an experience, David, with being with you at a bar and just some casual people? We were watching tennis at the bar and some casual people there, sort of engaging us in conversation and. And seeming to know everything. Obviously, this is one conversation which may or may not be imagined with with one couple. Uh, not scientific. But I don't know. I feel like I've got a a well of anecdotes in my mind which which 
I've used as evidence that the US Open crowd mm. probably. I mean, I'm obviously, surely they know. I, th- I, I think they know. I think they know, and maybe not everybody would know sort of as they're walking through the gates. But I think by the time they're sitting down and they've heard chatter around them, and you know, they've they've googled the, <laughs> the players that are about to see. I don't know. I feel like. I feel like no one's getting to the end of the match and not knowing, unless you've had a lot of honey juices. <laughs> My sister did once hear someone at Wimbledon ask whether it was knockout. Oh, God. That was a low point. <laughs> oh, God. Um, the other match that was going on last night was Bianca Andrescu, who, when I went to bed, was just starting off her match against uh, Victoria Golubic and it was hitting the ball really hard and looking really good. And I thought, oh, this will be straight sets. <laughs> I wake up and it's uh, it, people are talking about an epic that I have to go and look up. So I did. And, uh, well, she won in the end 7-5 in the third, despite being a break of serve down, looking in real trouble uh, against a player playing out of her mind. Uh, but I don't know. How do you come out of that feeling about Andrescu? Encouraged or concerned for her in terms of her prospects at this tournament slightly more encouraged than I was after certainly after Cincinnati I can't quite remember off the top of my head who she lost to in Cincinnati um but it was her first match wasn't it um think encouraged I mean I, I I don't think I've adjusted adjusted what I think too much on the basis of yesterday I mean I, there aren't there aren't many tennis players that upon waking up at 5am I would I I would be aware of the fact that they'd been playing a night session tennis match and risk checking my phone uh, for their result, with the full knowledge that if they happened to be in a in a thrilling third set, I would probably sacrifice sleep to switch it on. Well, I did that with Bianca Andrescu at five a.m. UK time this morning, and I ended up tuning <laughs> tuning in for for the latter stages of that match and and not regretting it, uh, especially especially as as I was in the company of Mary Carrillo commentary, and she was so emotional so emotional after it and yeah Andreska was sobbing really wasn't she she was she, she, was she had to take into, a while was, and she she could do her interview yeah she was sobbing into a towel and it, it gave the director plenty of time to cut away to to Coco Andrescu in the arms of Maria Andrescu who are both iconic iconic as individuals iconic <laughs> as a double act it's all wonderful um yeah, I, I don't know. Help me, Matt. What? Well, well, I got reeled in Bandrescu even before the tournament had started by her by her press conference because she just sounded so much more upbeat than I'd heard her recently. I remember that press conference at Wimbledon, which was really quite sad. And mm. as you said, the results she had in the lead lead up tournaments to the U.S. Open weren't brilliant she didn't seem to be ready for a big run at the US Open and yet in that press conference she was talking 
with a real glow about how much better she was feeling about the work she's been putting in and 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 I just believed her and so I did always think though that Golubic in the first round would be tough mm. because you know she's having a great season and reached the Wimbledon quarterfinals and so the fact that Andrescu has got through that I think is encouraging there was a moment in the second set where she had a medical timeout she got the trainer on I think she was feeling ill and nauseous sickness yeah. yeah rather than a physical injury so you know obviously bad that she felt that way but better than than an injury that is still the big concern with her and you know something Mary Carrillo said in that commentary was a couple of years ago a defining feature of Andrescu was her step uppiness was how Mary put it and she had that in both the the first set she was a breakdown last night she raised her game when she needed to and she did the same thing in the third set I, I think the next step for her is to try and win a match in straight sets <laughs> I mean you know I think she needs that I think it was it was kind of her super quality a couple of years ago winning in three sets it, it hardened her now I'm not necessarily sure that it does. I think she needs convincing, quick victories in a, a way. A slam actually could be easier for her than a thousand event where she gets the days off. Gets the days yeah. off, yeah. And, and actually, it was noticeable. I thought watching her that she was playing way more aggressively than I remembered. I, I, I think of Andrescu as having a very complete game, and look, she still does. But actually, she said she has tried to simplify things. I, I think she was getting really caught up with her results this year because off the back of 2019, she expects that from herself, but she wasn't actually delivering on those results and she needed a a simple game plan that she could rely on. And I thought we saw a little glimpse of that last night. It, there wasn't the sort of moonballing. There wasn't no. the changes of pace. It was a lot more just sort of the power game. And I think if she gets that right, that probably will stand her in good stead to win convincingly. But yeah, it's not quite there yet, but let's hope it comes. Hmm. So that uh, pretty much sums up the last uh, day and a bit uh, and brings you up to date. Uh, Tomorrow, everything starts on the Arthur Ashe Stadium at 12 local time, so 5 UK, uh, with Ash Barty against Clara Towson. Uh, then there's Zverev against Ramos Vinolas. In the evening session, it is that Djokovic against Greekspor match. Uh, first up, followed by Pliskova against Anisimova. Louis Armstrong has got to Bencic against Treveson. Uh, there's Kvitova against uh, Kristina Pliskova. Um, there is Gael Monfils against Steve Johnson. Uh, and then Andrescu's the night match, actually, first up against Lauren Davis on uh, the Armstrong court with Shapovalov following that. There's loads of matches on the outside courts as well, including uh, Emma Raducanu tomorrow as well. I'm just having a little look to see which uh, court she's on. Oh, court 10. Uh, first up at 11 in the morning, UK, uh, New York time. So that's 4 p.m. Um, in the UK, Emma Raducanu against Zheng Shui. So... Uh, that'll be the the starting point for your coverage, I imagine, Catherine. You're on from what three thirty? Is it three thirty? Half an hour build up. Uh, Radicani up first, yeah. Yeah, easy. Well, that'd be great. Easy editorial decisions <laughs> for that yeah, well, bit, we'll look anyway. To that. <laughs> Indeed. 
Okay, uh, well, we very much look forward to all that. Our mascot for this week is Francis the Cat. Uh, we have our own mascots. Hey, Rogues. hey, hey. Yeah. Photos of Francis have come in, David. Oh, have they? Oh, oh yes. yes. Francis is amazing. Oh, great. Yeah. Excellent. He's a, oh. he's a handsome chap. When am I going to get to see these photos of Francis? Well, prepare, you need some time to prepare yourself because he's, he's startlingly beautiful. Okay, well, get yourself subscribed mm. to our newsletter. With great we'll, literary we'll, taste also. We'll, we'll, we'll stick a, a photo in there or whack one up on the old social media, Instagram and Twitter. We're on all of those. Um, so there's Francis, there's Rogue, there's Scouser Mousel, there's Zeus. They're all our mascots. Uh, there's Billie Jean King for Billie Jean the dog. Um, there's Chris Albert Lee, our executive producer, the top bloke. And uh, Matt, we've got some shout-outs. Christy Wellam. All right, Christy. Hello, Christy. Like Christy Turlington. Yes. Matt doesn't know who that is, David. He's shaking his head. Mm. <laughs> Move on. Mm. Hello, Thanks Christy. Thank you. Thanks for the support, Christy. You're a ledge. Am I allowed to ask who? Or you tell me after? She was one of the, um, you know, the Naomi Campbell, Kate Moss crop of you know, Cindy Crawford. Oh. Or Cindy Crawford was slightly Supermodels. Supers, the original supermodels. Right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, A.B. Havens. Oh. Ooh. Is so A.B. Havens... Those are initials, are they? Yes. An author, like. an author of sort of young adult fiction? Could Probably. A. B. Do we know what A.B. stands for? Yes. No, just A.B. You didn't ask. Left to our imagination. Okay. Well, A.B. Top bloke? <laughs> yeah. Thanks ever so much for your support. Any more? And Catherine Willerton. Strong. Yeah. Very strong. C. Thanks, Catherine. C or a K? C. C. Oh, yeah. C. Wow. What an ending. <laughs> Thank you, Catherine. Lovely. Marvellous. Thanks ever so much for your support. Um, and with that, we will leave you here on the tennis podcast and be back with you again tomorrow do sign up to that newsletter do tell your friends about us uh, if you know anybody who might like the tennis podcast and we will be back tomorrow with another one see you then mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.